following all adulting adults. You're tuning into The Grown Up Podcast, a show I created to talk about the struggles of the new millennium and share different perspectives in order to make sense of being a grown up. Along the way, I search for independent music, businesses, and individuals who make a way for themselves in the content creating industry via podcasts, books, blogs, vlogs, and more to show that we should support each other's ideas instead of tear them down. Tune into the podcast monthly and don't forget to follow me to stay up on new artists, new adventures, oh yeah, and more grown up shit. Now, let's get to the episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Happy New Year, grown up family. Whether it's welcome back or welcome for the first time, always know I appreciate you for tuning in to the podcast. This year, I want to create quality content that will hopefully inspire, create questions or conversations, and most importantly, show what supporting each other can do for us to head in a more positive and uplifting society. Call me crazy, wishful, or flat out naive, but I believe fighting together instead of apart will change the future. Now, before we get into this dope interview, let me tell you first that this episode is brought to you by Skillshare, calling all creatives, curious cats, and knowledge seekers. Grown Up Podcast has teamed up with Skillshare to bring you a ton of discounts on learning. Whether you're an experienced creative looking to sharpen your craft or a curious cat, Skillshare has thousands of classes and hands-on skills to learn completely online. Check the description below to get a 30-day free trial or one month free from Grown Up Podcast to you. Without further ado, here's my interview with Professor Shaheem Williams. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the Grown Up Podcast, where you already know what we do. We talk about grown up shit. We get different perspectives on here. We throw independent music. Uh, we celebrate independence, all of that right here on the Grown Up Podcast. And today I'm so excited to jump off the new year with a interview from someone who I admire. I just, you know, scrolling on Twitter, la la la, and just seeing him talking what he talking about. And I love what he was talking about. So I wanted to invite him here on the podcast and uh, pick his brains a little bit, get his perspective about what's going on in the world. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. So uh, let's welcome this wonderful professor here on. Yeah, I know y'all, y'all probably like what a professor on the podcast. Yes, we have a professor here on the podcast today. He's got a couple accolades that I pulled straight from his Twitter bio. So excuse me. I mean, I don't know the man, you know, (laughs) so um, straight from his Twitter bio. He's an HBCU professor. He's got a PhD. He loves literary studies and digital humanities, and he calls himself a black speculative writer and theorist. So please welcome. How you doing? What's good? What's good? How y'all doing? How you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. So am I saying this right? Shaheem? Yes, Shaheem. Oh, look at that. Look, I'm, I'm getting good with names and stuff. Look at that. Okay. So, <laughs> so Professor Shaheen Williams, is that correct? That's right. 
All right. Well, welcome. Welcome. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm excited for you to be here. So um, let's just jump off with the questions. Right. So what college do you teach at and what is your experience being a black professor at an HBCU? So I'm currently adjunct at both Morehouse and Clark Atlanta here in Atlanta. And then my experience as a black professor has been very mercurial, to say the least, um, in some spaces. I'm seen as, oh, he must not know enough, especially since I'm only 28 in mm. these spaces. A lot of my colleagues are well into their careers. Right. Um, however, particularly with my students, um, being a black professor, when we know that professorships are typically for white or foreign people, um, they always... They appreciate it. I actually have a slew of emails that I got this morning from students discussing how, you know, I related to them, how they were able to see themselves in the work that we were doing and just Mm. being not only an inspiration, like visually and being in the front of the classroom as a black man, um, but the ways that I engage with them and and leave space for them to be themselves and be better than who they currently are, you know, transition to who they want to be. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. So that kind of leads me into my next question. Uh, so as you mentioned, you're a young black professor. So did you always know you wanted to be a professor? Absolutely not. <laughs> I did not want to be a teacher at all. So I come from a family of educators for the most part. Like my immediate family is more into tech and medicine, mm-hmm. but like a great, great uncle opened a school. And since then I had a couple of family members who've been educators and principals. Um, and if they weren't necessarily formally educated to be mm-hmm. like official teachers, they mm-hmm. were still community leaders and people mm-hmm. who actually actively engage with kids. Right. Um, so seeing servant leadership as a child, that's not something mm-hmm. that I wanted to do. Right. <laughs> I went to make money. I went to school oh, to be yeah. a, a, a physicist. Oh, I just wow. I, I I was deep and I want to be in STEM. And Absolutely. um I met black women professors who instilled in me that oh you have stories that you need to tell or you mm. are, have the ability to tell other people's stories. Mm. And um when I was a child, maybe like three or four years old, it was prophesied that I would be a doctor, which mm. circles back to me wanting to be in STEM. Um, Mm Because in my head, the only way to be a doctor was to be a medical doctor. Right. Um, But as I got older and, you know, my journey changed and the things that I liked changed, I started to realize what I was good at. Mm -hmm. Um, Life just led me to being a PhD. And here I am teaching the kids. (laughs) That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's still a doctor. So it's like full circle. You know what I mean? And that's that's an amazing story. That's amazing journey. Um, What do you want your students to learn from you when their class time is up with you? That's a good question. I want my students to know that they are valid and valuable Mm. and they always will add something to the conversation even Mm. if they don't know enough Mm. them asking questions is still making space to learn more for the speaker and for themselves um one thing that i so i mostly teach freshman composition so we look at how to write essays and with that i am expected to be a grammar Nazi, mm. or to say the least. Right. Um, however, yeah. I don't run my class that way. Um, I'm an equity grader, which means that if you try and you submit something that at least aligns a little bit with what I asked you to do, mm-hmm. you're going to at least get a 70. Um, okay. I want you to do work in the language that you feel most comfortable speaking. If that does 
um, go into more colloquial English than formal English. That's fine as long as you're able to communicate the thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I really just want them to know that whatever they come into the classroom with is valued and valuable. Right. And hopefully they leave the classroom with something. But if they only leave with, I can speak the way the, I most feel comfortable and still communicate a coherent thought, I am mm-hmm. satisfied. Wow, that's amazing. I really think we need more teachers like you because I know that I put a lot of pressure on myself in school and a little bit still do. I kind of knocked off a little bit when I went to community college, but I know I put a lot of pressure on myself because of I knew like the type of standard that college teachers or professors um, would, you know, look at my writing and I'd be like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. And But then I turn it in and they're like, oh, this is actually pretty good. And I'd be like, oh, okay, well, I'm putting so much pressure on myself. But if my professor would have told me that, you know, don't you, what you have is is valid. You know, this is great. And all these things like I would have been a lot more, <laughs> less hard on myself. And I also think it stemmed a little bit from the home, too. But just knowing like, OK, a college professor might be looking at my paper like this. Oh, no. You know, that kind of right. scared me. But it's it's really good to know that professors like you are out there letting people know how valid they are in their experience, in their words, you know, in their actions. And it's a beautiful thing. So much appreciate you if no one else has said it. <laughs> um, absolutely. Uh, so my next question here is how important is black history to everyone? Because many times when we're on the topic of black history, it's immediately shunned as if history is only meant for a specific person or a specific people. But in reality, everybody has a history, literally from individuals to, you know, groups of people. So um, how important is black history to everyone? Black history is important to everyone because it is global history. Absolutely. So I look at blackness from a very... I guess radical standpoint, because I don't necessarily equate blackness to just African descent. Absolutely. Um, and that's because blackness is a, a socio political construct. Um, mm-hmm. And just to explain that with some personal, um, I'm Afro Indigenous, so mm-hmm. I'm, you know, of African enslaved descent, but mm-hmm. I also am Powhatan, um, amongst mm-hmm. other things. But I'm going to focus on Powhatan. Mm-hmm. Um, the Powhatan people were native to Virginia. And in Virginia, I want to say, I can't remember the, the year of the law, but they passed a law that basically said that all Native Americans were to be considered black. Mm-hmm. Um, that there were two going to be two racial hierarchies, white, black. If you weren't white, you were black. Wow. Um, and so they were they were already mixed in with black communities because, you know, colonialism. But right. after that law passed, it became more of a a legally binding, I guess, relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that just informs the ways that I look at. There are people in Afghanistan who are darker skinned who they consider black, right? So mm-hmm. when we look at blackness in general, um, right. it's kind of like a, a global South phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And to circle back to the question, um, these people have always been the subjects of oppression, of adversity, mm-hmm. which as we know, history is always told from the victor's perspective, but mm-hmm. it doesn't allow for a total story to be told. Mm-hmm. Um, like Chimamanda Adichie Ngozi talks about in regards to the single story, if we don't know black people's history, we're only told this uh, 
these narratives that put colonialism and capitalism and individualism mm-hmm. at the forefront, which ultimately just leads to the ruin of humans. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the work that I've recently been doing is looking at the ways that indigenous peoples, being Native Americans, Native Africans, etc., have used like nature and the things around us um, to mm-hmm. create a, a science that we don't necessarily consider science, but it mm-hmm. is still science right. um, in the ways they can inform the ways that we just move. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to circle back to another complex concept, um, in Kenya, they have a, a conception of time called Zamani. Mm-hmm. And what Zamani refers to is this this infinite past that only relies on memory. Mm -hmm. So if someone in the community remembers it, it's in the collective timeline. But the second that memory goes away, it is no longer in their concept of time, but they also don't plan the future past like three to four months in the future because they don't know what's going on. And I don't think this is, you know, Kenyan wide, but there are certain people in Kenya, specifically people who practice more indigenous practices. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you look at it from that framework, if we aren't aware of black history and the multitude of histories that exist, um, then we are just fed a single story and we aren't operating on like a a realistic history, but just a mythology. And when it comes to mythologies, again, we go back to it's just told from the victor. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Um, yeah, I, I do believe that black history is something that's such a, a touchy subject. And um, that's why I was really excited to get you on the show and to really get your perspective so that people can understand a different perspective when they're thinking about black history, because I think there is such a negative stigma around black history when it shouldn't be. You know, it should just be another type of history that we need to learn, understand and grow from. And, you know, you you understand black people more when you understand our history, obviously. Right. So, um, again, beautifully said, I appreciate you. Uh, next question here. More than ever, young black representation in fields such as this one, you know, education are on the rise, but they're still not as prevalent. Besides our connection and conversation today, what can we do in the communities to teach our youth to aspire to be anything they want to be? So as someone who, as you said, I, I study black speculative fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who don't know what black speculative fiction is, that is a umbrella term for black fantasy or fantasy, sci-fi, alternate fiction, alternate history and horror that was written by black people. Um, mm-hmm. So there's some cross drama there as well. But mm-hmm. one thing that I focus on, at least myself, is I encourage more students to read speculative fiction in order to engage their imaginations. I wholeheartedly mm-hmm. believe if you can't see yourself doing it, then you're not able to make yourself do it. Mm-hmm. I also believe, and this is just in a professional, um, something I've noticed in my like meetings and mm-hmm. thanks, think tanks, et cetera, is that I will always uh, recommend the most outlandish solution. Mm-hmm. And somewhere in that outlandish solution, we come up with something that's logical and actually attainable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like as students, like even with like me, so I wanted to be a chemist. I wanted to be a physicist, whatever. I realized that science wasn't really my thing, but now I write science fiction. So even though I'm not necessarily working in science per se, I am still working with science. Oh, um, wow. So we gave students the ability to imagine themselves as more, even if it's outlandish, then it gives them the permission to seek ways that they can emulate 
that in real life. Oh, wow. Look at that. That's super dope. I, I might need to start getting into my fiction reading and stuff. For sure. <laughs> my, my cousins growing up, they love watching like sci-fi and, you know, the that type of genre. And I wasn't really into it that much because I my mind is more just creative in, in a different aspect. But right. um, I definitely think I should expand and dabble a little more because, you know, you never know what you can learn. So appreciate sure. that. And uh, you definitely yeah, learn, definitely. I learned so much through books. And like, I, w- I will read a book and think about like, dang, I learned this, this, this. And I never even expected that this book would teach me that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's really wild. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, my next question here is what is the best opportunity or piece of knowledge you have gained being a professor? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> so I would say, and I just, I just had this conversation. So I think that maybe God led me to make this the answer. Grace mm-hmm. is one of the, the, the most um, effective human, I guess, emotions or actions that can be given mm. because you just never know whose life you're saving. I always joke with my students and whenever like they might miss a, miss an assignment or um, they do something wrong, they don't get the grade they want, please don't let me be your 13th reason. Mm. <laughs> like, please, I will allow you to turn this in late. I will allow you to make this up. Like, please do not. <laughs> don't do that. Um, that's and I know one. a lot of students who have, um, you know, just express that they appreciate the fact they get a, a satisfactory grade by just attempting to do the assignment. They mm-hmm. appreciate that. Um, so well, I, guess I don't say his name, so I, they don't know his personal. But I have a student whose brother um, was just incarcerated last year. So he just experienced mm-hmm. his first Thanksgiving without his brother. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a freshman. My brother was in prison my freshman mm-hmm. year at Morehouse. Um, So as I'm teaching a student who is literally in the same seat that I was 10 years ago, Mm. um, you know, I just gave him that. I know what it feels like to not go home and see a a sibling um, and knowing that they are seeing no one. And I can Mm -hmm. see the emotional toll they could take on you. So, you know, turn this in next week. Or if you need me to sit down and work with you today, I don't Mm -hmm. mind hopping on Zoom and working with you today. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that I want to be for my students is a resource. And Mm -hmm. as a resource, I want them to feel safe with me. And that can't happen if there's like, um, really Eurocentric power structures and barriers Mm -hmm. between what the student and the teacher is. Um, I see myself more as a facilitator of learning than a teacher. Um, because I don't necessarily want to teach you. Mm -hmm. I want to show you what you can do with the tools that are available to you. That's right. And you do with that what you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, again, students just have to be comfortable and not try to associate positive. Um, I want them to have positive memories and feelings towards being a writer and being a critical thinker. And that can't happen if grace isn't thrown into the situation, even if it's not looking like extending grades. That could be other ways to, you know, extend grace. But I think that is probably one of the most powerful things that um, teachers can just adopt in their philosophies. Yes, absolutely. I agree with you on that. And another thing that I kind of pulled from that as well is being authentic and true to yourself and understanding yourself and the things that you've been through and not necessarily throwing them away and forgetting the things that you've been through or 
having them carried on your shoulders as a burden, but just knowing that they're there and that any job or profession or whatever that you go into, you carry those real authentic things with you. And it helps you to connect with everybody around you, you know, and you're not just so closed off and, oh, these bad things happened to me and I put, and I threw them away, you know, so I can't relate to that person or, you know, this great thing happened to me and it's, something that I don't think about. And so I throw that away and you're not able to relate to another person who's done the same great thing as you, but you forgot about it because it's something that you no longer make true to yourself or, you know what I mean? So um, I think also being authentic in whatever that you're doing so that you can relate to others and understand others are going through the exact same thing as you. It just could be at a different time. It could be in a different perspective, obviously, because it's they're they're another different human. But all in all, we all go through a lot of the same experiences. If we can just understand that and connect with each other, I think the world would be so much easier. (laughs) So I'm, I'm glad that you I'm glad that you touched on that. Um, so do you, do people believe you when they tell you, when, when you tell them your occupation, I just had to ask that question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So, I mean, um, so I, I know the other day I walked out of my classroom and when I said the other day, probably like two or three months ago, but it was a, a administrator who I don't know, but they grabbed me by my shoulder and was like, Hey, can you help me move what? something? And I'm like, um, no, I'm actually on the way to the class that I have to teach and I have to be there because I'm teaching it. And she's like, right. oh, you're a teacher. And I'm like, yeah, oh, no. I have on a polo and slacks and <laughs> some dress shoes. And not saying that you know, because my students do dress professionally from time to time. Right. But there was this immediate assumption that I was a child. And granted, you mm-hmm. know, black don't crack. And mm-hmm. I do, hump, I, you know, I pride myself on the fact that I do. I could pass for 20 as a 28 year old going to 29. So, you know, that's a flex. But I also think there's like ageism involved there with Mm -hmm. why, even if I am, because I am young, but I'm young Mm -hmm. and accomplished. So Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not necessarily, I don't don't know. I don't know how to say it, but just to get back to the point. Yes. All the time. (laughs) Um, I hear you. I hear you. Um, I want to get your thoughts on like a lot of the young people who are coming up in politics and things like that. What do you, what do you like? What are your your thoughts on that? Because as a you know a young professor yourself, obviously you got to deal with a lot of stripes already. So what do you, what do you make of that? Uh, I mean, honestly, I think we're eating the girls up. So like on <laughs> one hand, I do believe that there needs to be some experience to be in certain positions, which mm-hmm. is why as a professor, I do find myself sometimes thinking like, hmm. Maybe I want to step back from this role mm-hmm. for a little bit, get some real world experience so I can come back and enhance the classroom for my students. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am also often reminded of the ways that my youth and the ways that I was raised that was different from, you know, our four people. Mm-hmm. Um, that I am bringing something new to the classroom. Right. I'm bringing a perspective that might not have been understood or even heard before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's value or there's value in different kinds of experiences and experiences aren't limited to age. Mm-hmm. And once we realize that we really just need true diversity of thought in general, and that comes from race, creeds, ages, Etc. Mm-hmm. We'll find more value in living as a community because, mm-hmm. as of right now, as we know, the world is really only tailoring to one group, and everyone else just has to fit the mold. 
Right. And that isn't effective. That really creates mental unwellness, which leads mm-hmm. to some very serious issues mm-hmm. um, that they're finding out. You know, like oppression really does have real, not not just to you individually, but intergenerational mm-hmm. effects on people's genome, psyches, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we become more, or, and by we, I mean young people, become yes. more comfortable achieving achieving and being visible achieving one it opens doors for people to take other young people seriously which is why I really do what I do mm-hmm. um I know y'all can't see me but um, <laughs> I have locks I tend to dress when I'm teaching in a polo shirts and slacks more than like a shirt and a tie mm-hmm. um sometimes I might even be wearing like a, a, a college tee or a tee with a fancy uh, logo or slogan on it just to again try to release some of the barriers between me and my students in regards to my power structures mm-hmm. um, and I did this or I present myself this way intentionally so people cannot see me. when they see me they don't know who I am Right. and once they learn who I am they realize oh people who look like you could be this and maybe I should right. stop judging them Um, So as Martin Luther King says, we should judge people by the content of their character. Um, And that, again, transcends age and all the other demographics. Yes, that's beautifully said. That's amazing. I hope people are opening up their ears and closing their mouths when they listen to this podcast. Okay. (laughs) Um, As we wrap this up, I'm so excited that you were able to join me today. Your thoughts have been beautifully said, and I much appreciate you. And maybe hopefully we can have you back again in the future and we can talk about some other things. But um, my last question that I have here for you is what advice do you have for those who heard the phone ringing for a teaching opportunity or just any type of opportunity, but they didn't pick it up due to whatever reason, be it money, too much work, too much time, don't want to go to college, whatever the case may be, the little voice in their head, they were discouraged from all of those things, you know, the 99,000 reasons of why they can't listen to that inner calling for whatever it is that they're called to do. What advice do you have for these people? I would say look at the signs in your life. One thing that I've realized is that life, and I'm saying life in exchange for a deity, because you know everyone has mm-hmm. diverse religious thought. So it mm-hmm. could be your God, it could just be life throwing you signs, it could be universe, whatever. But mm-hmm. just look for those signs because I know myself. Mm-hmm. I again I contemplate being a teacher all the time. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> but there's um little moments in my life where I might be walking by and hear someone say something that, Oh, I know the answer to that. And I'm going to answer it. Um, so I I do find myself to be naturally didactic or like teaching people on things. However, I guess to adjust the other side, if you get, feel like you're getting called to be a teacher and you don't want to be a teacher, please don't be a teacher. (laughs) Misery will bring like, it'll bring the students down. They can tell that you want to be there. Um, and it'll just overall just mess up a student's trajectory towards success. However, if you do have that inkling, there are so many different ways to be a teacher without being a formally employee teacher just to try it out. There's libraries that you can work at. Um, there's several institutions that will let you come and volunteer that's at the school programs that you can work at just to get a feel of it. Um, 
So I would say if you feel tapped to teach, find ways that you can practice teaching to see if you're like mm-hmm. number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, when it comes to, so I, I feel the same ways when it comes to like preachers. So there's mm-hmm. people who feel like preachers are called. And mm-hmm. I agree that there are some people who are who are naturally tapped to mm-hmm. be certain roles in society, and then we we translate those roles to occupations. Mm-hmm. But if you aren't doing the work by going to theology school or reading the Bible, mm-hmm. but not just reading the Bible, reading scholarship of Bible about the Bible, mm-hmm. multiple perspectives, leaning mm-hmm. outside of what you assume is what God is telling you, and informing that in the actual world and what He has told other people. Yes. Um, then you're doing not only yourself, but your community a disservice. Mm. Um, so if you do feel like that you're being tapped to be a teacher and you might be like, I don't want to go to school or I don't want to do something, do it. Just do right. it. Yes. And for teachers, there are so many grants and scholarships available for people who want to go into education. Mm. Um, just take the time to look into them. Um, again, you can go to community college for early childhood education. There are so many different ways, but I will say, be critical of what grade you want to teach in because I've taught, <laughs> what grade should I taught? I've taught pre-K, I've taught kindergarten, I've taught second grade, I've taught eighth grade. I've taught high school on the collegiate level. So mm-hmm. I was teaching college level classes to high schoolers and now I'm teaching right. college. Um, and What's your favorite? Each one of those. Ooh, that's a hard question. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw it in there. <laughs> I arguably, so I would, ooh, my eighth graders, they ruined me. So I, <laughs> I, I, I love them socially. But ooh, they, they ruined oh, my experience no. for sure. Um, I would arguably say for if I have a good class, I do love teaching college because it's a whole okay. different ballgame, a different environment, yeah. a different conversation. Definitely. But when I was teaching pre-K, I was working with special needs kids. Um, so I can say that was near and dear to my heart, especially since I had a couple of black or biracial mm. um, kids who were on the autistic spectrum. And mm. the ways that they clung to me and the ways that I still think about them really has me thinking that I really kind of want to go back into early childhood. But that's its own separate um, issues specifically being a black man working with kids yeah, um, yeah. there's lots of uh, external factors that make that a, a bad environment Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you for joining me here today and giving me your beautiful words and your thoughts. Um, it's been amazing. I hope the people are listening. Um, you have any final thoughts that you want to say, you want to leave with the people, any personal shout outs that you would want to give and please let them know where they can follow you so they can keep getting this knowledge. And he funny sometimes too. So don't, don't let it on you. <laughs> don't let the professor title fool you. He funny too <laughs> that's why i followed him on twitter but anyways go ahead take it away i appreciate it but you know shout out to my hbcu shout out to hbcus in general but specifically mm-hmm. morehouse college with the state university and Carter university um i want to shout out to voodoo knots that's the black speculative fiction collaborative work network so if you're interested in writing black speculative fiction check out voodoo knots on twitter um, and you can follow me on Twitter at Never Been Shy, TikTok at Conjuring Literacy, and on Instagram at Never Been Shy. And yeah, just fuck with me. 
Definitely. Nah, you good. (laughs) It's it's open. It's free range here on the podcast. Fuck with him. (laughs) Follow him. Check him out. He's a dope ass guy. I'm uh, so appreciative that he joined me here on the podcast. And y'all already know his links will be in the description for you to click right away. If you weren't listening to the audio, please go to the description. That's where all the good shit is. Okay. Um, Appreciate you again, Professor Shaheem Williams here on the Grown Up Podcast. Y'all already know, stay safe, be kind out there, and we out of here. Now, hold on, grown-up family. You didn't think we was finished, did you? You already know the Natural on a Wave segment is back with more artists, more interviews, more creativity, and more diverse than ever in 2023. The Now segment highlights one artist per month to give you time to catch on to their wave. Make sure to follow the podcast on social media to engage with your favorite artists that I'll be posting and shining the light on throughout the month. Now, without further ado, let's get into this month's now spotlight artist that I'll be dropping an interview with as well at the end of this month. Let's get the vibe started off with 06 Sob. Hard to save when it's so foul. Oh, you fucking making plays, so oh, you sold out. I done got away from my own crowd. Okay, I could cut, cut, cut the fakes until I'm on route. I think it's harder to do. You not in tune with my mood. I'm trying to give you my time. You take me out of my groove. Party and I don't know why. I turn my brain into stew. I like to stir up the pot, but break the bread for the soup. Stay and bake if you like. How about we make it a rule? The flower burn on the ride. I told them ain't a canoe. I just provide a lot of reasons to lose, a lot of reasons to lose, yeah. This one sounds like that shit right for me. I know my life just says like a lead, yeah. Get that shit one day, oh my relief. Guest up my pitch, I pick Watt Louise. I've been rolling through the city trying to get the lights to beam. I wish I had gone west somewhere that I like to be. Think he had a chance of rapping, now he ought to write with me. What's poppin' grown-up family? You already know what I'm about to say. Make sure you slide down to the description below to stream this song titled Worst Guys and follow 06 Sab to support his independence. Then, right after you follow him, don't forget to follow Grown Up Podcast and please, please, please give Grown Up a rating. It helps independence a lot with getting recognition to others. I'll let 06 Sab take us out. I love you guys. Peace and blessings. I like to stir up the pot, but break the bread for the soup. Stay and bake if you like. How about we make it a rule? The flower burning the ride. I roll the J be the smoothest. I just provide a lot of reasons to lose. A lot of reasons to lose. This one sounds like that shit right for me. I know my life just says like a lead. Get that shit one day, oh my relief. Guest up my pitch, I pick Watt Louise. I've been rolling through the city trying to get the lights to beam. I wish I had gone west somewhere that I like to be. Think he had a chance of rapping, now he ought to write with me. That was just the worst guys, they wanted a life to lead. And you ain't too dialed on him anyway. And you ain't too dialed on him anyway.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 